Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. And I mentioned this, 9 a.m. service, that it just feels so wonderfully unique to be able to speak here today. And it's not because I've not spoken at the North Campus before. I have many, many times over the 20 years, I think I have my math, my math right. I think it's this Thursday, if I've calculated right, this Thursday, uh, our family will have celebrated being here 20 years, if you can't believe that. That's amazing. Can't believe we've been here 20 years. I'm still the youngest staff member that was ever been hired at Victory Church. I was 14 years old when I was brought on staff, a special exemption made from the Department of Labor, and so uh, able to be. But it's not that reason why it feels strangely wonderful. It feels so wonderful because there's actually people here. For about seven months, I guess, um, 28, 29, 30 weeks, I've been preaching online every single week, but there's nobody here. And I'm not funny. I never hear people laugh. I never hear people clap. I never hear people say amen. I never hear people cry. It's just always crickets, you know, when I'm preaching. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Having said that, I'd love it if you could make up for all that lost time while we're together today. If you could do that, that would be helpful. And don't you love it? I mean, I've heard him say it so many times, but I love it every time pastor says something like this. Now, if you'll say amen, this message gets a whole lot faster. And we all respond. And say, yeah, I'm with you. Things don't change, do they? And hey, having mentioned pastor, uh, talk to him and sharing early this morning. Don't we have an incredible leader and first lady at our church? They're absolutely amazing. And so Pastor will be back next week, and he'll continue the series that we're starting today. But here's what I want to ask you personally to do is, you know Pastor. He is working hard. He's always in high gear, always busy. So they have just a few days to catch their breath before they come right back into the grind. So make it a, a prayer. Join us and just pray every day. God, give them rest and give them replenishment. And uh, I know that they will appreciate that. We've been blessed. I'm just telling you in advance, uh, you do not want to miss pastor's message next Sunday. We're starting a brand new message series today, and I'm so glad that you are with us because we're going to be talking about traveling light, and that's really important. See, this is what I know about you and I know about me. I know that we all have baggage in our life. We just simply do. If you're a person that you say, you know what, Jeff, my life is perfect. I have zero baggage in my life. Everything is wonderful and perfect in my life. Go ahead and raise your hand so the people near you can know they're sitting next to Jesus today in church. All right? None of us are like that. None of us. We want to travel light, but the fact of the matter is, that's, not, that's easier said than done. Now, I want to ask you a question. It's not a trick question, but here it is. How many of you, you like to travel? Just wave your hand at me a little bit like this. You like to travel, and so do I. I love to travel. There's only two things about traveling I really do not like. 
I do not like all the waiting associated with traveling. I, I don't like having to wait in that long line to check your baggage. You know, we want to travel light. Sometime we carry on. It's not going to do it. We're traveling heavier than we would ordinarily like to. And so we stand in the line to check all of our baggage in. And then we stand in the long line to clear security. And it's greater in some airports rather than others. And then we get out to the gate and we wait in the gate for our flight. And we just wait and wait and wait. And I'll not bore you with the details, but... I still have some traveling privilege with Delta Airlines because of my stepdad who worked there for a long, long time. And so when you're flying standby, as I do, oftentimes you're especially waiting because you don't have a reserved seat and you're just watching that screen. Am I going to get on? It says there's nine seats left. I'm seventh on the list. Am I, please, Jesus, help me to get on. And that, that waiting, and I don't like the waiting part. I don't like checking the baggage. And that's the second nuisance I really don't like. I don't like having to haul baggage. And I had that experience again just last month. I was going to visit these three incredible grandbabies up in Illinois, Kinley, who is seven, and then uh, Lantry, she's almost four, and Brody's almost three, and then there's a fourth baby on the way. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? I said to my son and daughter-in-law, don't you know you're supposed to be practicing social distancing during this time? But obviously that's not happening, so there's another one going to be coming before long. So I was making a trip to go see the grandbabies, and, you know, going to see grandkids, you don't have a little carry-on. So I had a suitcase I had to check. And, and then Brennan said, uh, shortly before I left, he said, Dad, the weather's going to be pretty good. Why don't you bring your golf clubs? So I've got all my golf clubs and a big golf travel bag. I've got my briefcase and some work at reading in that. And I'm like, you know, this is a lot of baggage to be carrying around. But it's worth it because I'm going to see Brent and Cole and the grandbabies and such. And so I'm just lugging this. Now, I, I don't know if you know this or not about me, but those who know me best know that I've got this frugality gear that will kick in oftentimes. And so although I knew I had all this luggage, all this baggage, I just refused to take advantage of Primo parking. So I was going out of Tampa International, so I just headed for budget parking, uh, the parking garage. And so, uh, you know, I'm having second thoughts about that because I park and it you know, by the time I got through with all this baggage, it felt like I had to walk from my car to the state line. That's exactly what it felt like. And so I've just, I hang my briefcase over my neck. Well, that's not a problem. Then I've got this larger than normal suitcase I'm traveling with. Got to check that in. This golf clubs, you know, I'm dragging that. And so I've got to take it from my car onto the tram, uh, into the check-in because they don't have curbside check-in and walk up, check the bags, and you have no idea how relieved I felt when I checked, checked that suitcase and those golf clubs and I just turned them over, just gave them over to that travel uh, person there and I just walked leisurely to the gate. Oh, it felt so good to travel light now. It felt so good to travel free. Now, I mentioned to you, that I still have these privileges, and so I fly standby. Well, on this day, it doesn't always happen. It was just incredibly busy, and there's less flights, 60% capacity of Delta, all of that. So I went out, and I'm waiting. I'm staring at the screen, and I missed that flight. There's not enough seats. And I'm like, well, that's all right. There's another one going out of Atlanta, connect, you know, out of Tampa, Atlanta, connect, going to Bloomington, and I'm waiting for the next one, and I don't make it. And I don't make the third one, and I don't make the fourth one. And, and I just sit there for several hours. I never make a flight that day at all. Now, here's the irony. 
my luggage went on the first flight. <laughs> I think it went first class. I, I think it did, probably, just to rub it in my face. And so uh, I'm like, my frugality gear did not pay off, so immediately I got home, I booked me a ticket. I didn't care what it cost at that point. Went and saw the grandbabies next weekend. But we like, for the most part, to travel if we're not traveling with a lot of baggage. In fact, can I just say it this way? Uh, traveling can be uh, enjoying uh, enjoyed, uh, uh, exhilarating, re really, if you're traveling light. Uh, I came across a great story not too long ago. Uh, let me just take a moment and share it with you. Sitting on the highway, waiting to catch speeders, a highway, patrols, highway patrol officer saw our car puttering along at 22 miles per hour. He thinks to himself, that car is just as dangerous as a speeder, so he turns his lights on and pulls the car over. Approaching the car, he notices there are five old ladies in the car, two in the front, three in the back, wide-eyed and looking like ghosts. The driver, obviously confused, said, Officer, I don't understand. I was not going over the speed limit. What seems to be the problem? Ma'am, the officer replied, you should know that driving slower than the speed limit can also be just as dangerous. Slower than the speed limit? No, sir. I was doing exactly 22 miles per hour, just like it said on the sign, the old woman said proudly. The officer can barely hold back his laughter and explains that 22 was the route number on the sign and not the speed limit. <laughs> A bit embarrassed, the woman grinned, thanking the officer for pointing out his error. Before I go, though, ma'am, I have to ask, is everyone okay? These women in the car with you seem badly shaken and haven't uttered a word this whole time. Oh, they'll be all right in just a moment. You see, we just got off of Route 142. <laughs> so they were traveling fast, and they were traveling lightly. But have you noticed in life that we don't pick up baggage early on, it's along the journey that we accumulate more and more baggage. Let me put it this way. We start out traveling at seedly light. You know, you never see a three-year-old, for the most part, there could be some exceptions, but you never see three-year-olds riddled with stress. You just don't see that. I made that trip the next weekend, and I'm watching Kenley Landry and Brody play, and I don't see them emotionally carrying around a lot of luggage. They're just free-spirited and having a great time. They're not stressed out. But somehow along the way, we pick up more and more baggage. See, the journey for the most part, I think this is true for most all of us in this room. I know it is for me. It's just gradually, over time, we pick up baggage. You get to middle school, and your life has probably been pretty calm in a lot of different ways. And yet in middle school, how many of you, by the way, you know middle school can be a pretty tough place? If you have students in middle school, you know that. I don't need to tell you that. Or if you can remember what it was like to be in middle school. And, and so you may pick up a little baggage in middle school, and then you go to high school. And then you maybe get a little bit of older, older and you're picking up more and more baggage. Maybe there's, there's a relationship situation that didn't turn out just right. There's some baggage with that. And maybe a, a failed job experience, maybe a habit or two that comes along. And, and just you've noticed over time, and maybe not even fully consciously, but it's just like I'm carrying some stuff around in my life. And that's generally what happens to all of us along the journey. We have experiences and we pick up baggage. We have times of, of pain. And obviously, you know, we don't want that pain. It's, it's not intentional, but life just happened. And when life just happens, we experience pain and, and disappointment. 
And sometimes there's an addiction or there's hurts or there's hangups or there's fear and anxiety. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, unfortunately, the journey for most of us as we just proceed through life, the journey of life, we're not traveling lighter, unfortunately. A lot of times we're traveling heavier because we picked up more and more baggage. So what do we do? Well, that's what this series is all about. And so I'm so glad that you're here. And as I mentioned it, I didn't forget I mentioned it. I'm doing this intentionally. You don't want to miss Pastor's message next Sunday. And you don't want to miss the Sunday. Three weeks, we're going to teach you how to travel light. Because here's the reality. Here's the reality. We all have stuff. Would you agree? We all have baggage. We all have had hurts and pains and disappointments in life. And... Uh, the reality is we get to choose what we're going to do with it. And that's really the good thing when you think about it. We get to choose. We can just say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to try to manage this all on my own. And I've got a lot of baggage in my life. I'm probably going to accumulate a little bit more. But I'll just try to manage it on my own the best I can. So I eke through life. Or we can say, and this is what I hope that all of us are going to say during this time together over these next three weeks. God, here's what I'm doing. I'm taking by your grace and with your help, I'm taking this baggage in my life and I'm going to give that over to you. I love what the scripture says. It says that you and I, don't you love this? That we can take all of our cares and all of our concerns and that we can cast them upon Jesus because he cares about us. Like, God, I can't handle all this baggage. Have you ever faced something you couldn't handle in your, on your own? Absolutely, we all have. And we just say, Jesus, I just want to give that over to you. Now, I want us to look, and we're going to go to the screen, and you got, this is, you know, Linus has his security blanket. You've got to remember now, for about 28 weeks, I've been preaching to an empty, so the screen has become my friend. It's my security blanket. <laughs> Psalm 109, three verses, verse 22, look at it with me. This is David, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. It's an important verse, verse 26, look at this one. Help me, O Lord, my God, save me in accordance with your love. Verse 31, look at this one. For he, he being God, stands at the right hand of the needy one to save his life from those who condemn him. And I believe that most every one of us in this room right now, and those of you that are watching online right now, you can relate to what David is feeling, what's going on in his own emotions. And David is in essence saying this, and I want you to track with me on this. David is saying, I've got a great need in my life. I've got this great need. See, my heart is wounded. May I ask you, have you ever had a wounded heart? Do you have a wounded heart right now? For my heart, David said, is wounded within me. I have a need. And then out of that, verse 26, you saw it. He said, I, I need some help. Like, I need some real help in my life. The language that he used actually was, save me, God. I know that you love me. Save me in accordance with your love. And then it's like he said, you know what? I've got this great need in my life. I need some help. I'm going to reach out to the one that I believe that can help me with the baggage, with the challenge, with the problems in my life, with the heavy stuff that I'm carrying because I want to travel light. And so, God, God, here's what I'm doing. I'm reaching out to you. Listen again to his words, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one. And it's like David is saying, the place that you and I have been so many times in our life where we said, hey, I've got a need in my life and I need some help with what I'm carrying around. I need to get rid of this. And I'm reaching out to God. And oh, by the way, God is right here beside me. 
And do you know that that is so true in your life, that God is right there beside you every step of the way? And listen, you and I get to choose. We can carry around our heaviness, our baggage, our challenges, our hurts and hangups and habits and problems for the rest of our life, or we can say, God, we just can't do this anymore. And that's what I'm praying for all of us. We're going to say, God, I love this verse. You'll hear it next week, that when Jesus sets us free, he sets us free. How many of you believe that? He sets us free. So what do we need to do? Sort of on the front side of this series, we need to go ahead, all right, and name our baggage. Jeff, I don't want to do that. I, because Jeff, at this point in my life, I would rather live in denial than live with admission that I have some baggage in my life. You can do that. It's not very wise. You can do that. It's your choice. But I think it would be healthy. I think it would be productive if we just say, I'm going to name my baggage, whatever my baggage is. But Jeff, if I don't name my baggage, if I don't admit that I have it, if I live in denial, then if I pretend that I don't have baggage, then it's sort of like I don't have baggage, right? Doesn't work that way. I love what Job says. Take a look at his words right here. Job said this, and he had a lot of stuff in his life. He said, I cannot keep from speaking. Look at this highlighted phrase right here. I must express my anguish. I gotta be, I've got to be real about my pain. I can't live the rest of my life if, you know, in denial if I'm going to travel light. I want to get rid of the baggage, the stuff that's going on in my life. So I want to just do a timeout. You with me? I'm going to do a timeout right here, and I'm going to ask you pointedly, those of you that are in this building right here and those of you that are watching in line, what is your baggage? What is your baggage? Maybe it's relational. Maybe you're carrying around some relational baggage. Maybe you're carrying around some emotional baggage. Maybe it's more habitual in nature. Maybe it's financial baggage. Maybe you're just saying, Jeff, you know what the reality is for me? Dude, it's like the combo platter. I got a little bit of it all going on. I got a little bit, and I've just got this baggage. Now, we're going to dig into this next week a little bit deeper. This is just the intro message. But there are three prayers that I think would be really, really good if you and I would start praying these prayers. You ready? All right, here's the first prayer. I want you to get it down. Those of you that take notes, and a lot of you do, your phone, your iPad, you know, if you write it out, here's the first prayer. God, I need you to renew my mind. I need you. If I'm going to get rid of baggage, that is so, I cannot overemphasize how important that is. God, I need you to renew my mind. Now, if you're a church person, you grew up in church, or you're fairly familiar with your Bible, then you would probably know right away that the classic text on this is actually Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And we have the A part right here. This is Paul again. And look at what he says. I want you to look at this very carefully. Get it down in your notes. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Look at this. How many of you would admit that you could handle some changes in your life? Unless your life is perfect, how many of you need a little bit of change, maybe a lot of change? How is God going to transform us? How is God going to help us? Let God transform you, look at this highlighted phrase, into a new person. And how is God going to bring to pass this change? He's going to do it by changing the way that you think. Now, what Paul said here is incredibly important. He's like saying, do you need to make some changes in your your life? And we would all say, yes, I need to make some changes in my life. Do you want to become a newer, better person in Jesus? And we would say, yes. Do you want to get rid of the baggage in your life? Yes, God, we want to get rid of the baggage in our life. Do you want to travel lighter rather than weighted down with all the heaviness you're lugging around? Yes, God. Then God says, here's what I want to do. I want to help you to change your thinking. 
Because if you can, listen, this is so important. If you can change your thinking, the scripture would say, you could change your life. And God will help us to do that. Please hear this. If you're carrying any baggage, and most all of us are, then the truth has got to be replaced with the lies that you have been believing. Let me say that again. If you are going to change the way you think, which Paul said is going to change your life, then you're going to have to stop believing the lies that you've been believing. Said, I'm not believing that anymore, and allow God to insert his truth into our life. Change the way. That's what Paul says. Change the way you're thinking, change. And maybe we're just saying, well, you know what? Here's an area where I could use some change. See, some of you have thought this before. You know what, Jeff? I hear what you're saying, but I've just gone too far. I've gone too far. You know, I told God I wouldn't, and I did, and I told God again I wouldn't, and I did it again. And I've told God a hundred times, a thousand times. It feels like a million times about now. By now, I told God, I'm done, finished, over, never doing that again. And God just has been so gracious, and God has forgiven me again and again, extended hope and mercy to me, but this time I've gone too far. Listen, 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 that's a lie. If you care, you've not gone too far. I've had people say something like this to me. Um, Jeff, I'm, I'm afraid that I've committed the unpardonable sin. And you know what I always say? The same thing. If you're afraid you've committed the unpardonable sin, you haven't because if you had, you wouldn't care whether or not you had or not. Does that make sense? Well, I've gone too far. That's a lie. You've not gone. How, how great is the grace of God? It's pretty amazing. Well, here's a lie that some of you have chosen to believe. I'm never going to amount to anything. And that's really sad to me. But it's the way some of you grew up. You didn't ask for that to be inculcated in your life. It just happened. Maybe a parent was just hitting you with that or both parents. And, hey, you're never going to amount to anything. Oh, your brother, look at what your big brother's done. Look at this. and Look how successful that they are. Look what grades they made. And you're never going to admit to anything. And you know what you've done? You just gradually, oh, here's some more baggage. And you just, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'll never do anything significant or wonderful, successful in my life. You've got to stop. Listen, that's a lie. How about this one? I will always be in debt. I feel like I was born in debt. At least my parents were born in debt because they charged a lot for me to be born. That may be how you're thinking. And I lived in debt. My family have always had debt. I'm always going to have debt. Everybody has always lived in debt, right? Listen, that is a lie. You don't have to live with debt the rest of your life. God can set you free in your finances. You say, well, I'll never be able to beat this addiction. I talk to people about, about that all the time. You know what, Jeff? I've been clean, and I'll do good for a while. You've had those same conversations with people that you know and love, right? I, I, you know, I can be clean for a while. I can stop, I can stop it for a, a while, but I always go back. And I'll do good for a month or two, maybe even stretch it out, go six months. But guess what? I'm never going to be able to beat that addiction. And I say to you once again, that is a lie because who Jesus sets free is able to be free indeed. I'm saying it a third time. Don't miss next week. God could never forgive that. I'm always going to struggle with anxiety, these lies. I'm always going to have these panic attacks for the rest of my life. I'm not smart. I'm not talented. I'm not likable. Lie, lie, lie. You and I have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind because if God will change our mind, and he will if we'll allow him to, it will change our life. I love what Timothy Keller said. You've got to see this. Write it down. The guys will give you enough time. This is such a powerful statement. What preoccupies the mind controls the life. What 
preoccupies the mind, what preoccupies the mind controls the life. Now, I'll just share with you a personal story where I picked up some baggage in my life. You know, I had a, for the most part, I've, I had a pretty good growing up life. My, my parents, you know, a challenging time for us. I was two weeks in the ninth grade when my mom and dad got a divorce. and I knew I was loved by mom and dad, but they could never get things sorted out right. So, you know, you pick up a little bit of stuff, but I'm the older brother. I'm the older sibling, so I sort of had to try to be the man of the house at 14. And, and so there was, you know, but still, nevertheless, having said that, I had a pretty good life. We, you know, we struggled. I could see it. I could sense the tension. Uh, you know, there never seemed to be enough money at our house. And, you know, they provided all of our needs for Matt, but I could feel some of the tension and I could hear some of the arguments going on about money. But I'm, I'm just saying that for the most part, life had been pretty good. I wasn't carrying a lot of baggage. And then in my teen years, I was broadsided with fear and worry like you've never seen. I'm growing as a new Christian. Some of the habits that I had been dealing with as a non-Christian where God, by his grace, had just set me free from a lot of that. But now, I'm like out of nowhere. Why, God? Why am I struggling with fear and worry and anxiety? And I didn't know. Now, I could, I could figure out a little bit, uh, like two of the most important people in all of my life who just passed away a few years ago, some of you know this, was my mom, who I loved dearly, and her mom, who we called Mamma. And these were like the two most amazing ladies growing up in my life, but they were both worry warts. They were worry warts, and so maybe genetically DNA I picked up a little bit. And in fact, some of you have heard me tell the story before. It's like when I was like a kid growing up, my grandma, she was like, you look up the word hypochondriac in the dictionary, it had a little picture of my mamma on the margin. And she, you know, she worked at a hospital, so she had everything the patients had. If they had it, she had it. If she had it, then I had it. I mean, whatever she had, I had as a kid growing up. Whatever she needed in terms of medical procedure, I needed. If she needed a tonsillectomy, I needed a tonsillectomy. If she needed an appendectomy, I needed an appendectomy. If she needed a hysterectomy, well, I stopped right there. (laughs) I only go so far. And I mean, I just, and so I'm just, and those of you that have ever struggled with like big time worry and fear where it becomes like real baggage, this won't make sense to you. If you've not had that struggle, this won't make sense. But those of you that have, it became emotionally paralyzing to me. And here it was. It's crazy. I know looking back, but I'm just telling you, it was as real as we're all in this room. And it was this thought, Jeff, you're going to die. And I was a teenager. I was young, I was healthy, I was vibrant, I'd played sports all my life, I was in good shape, and uh, you know, didn't eat as clean then as I do now, and all of that, but man, I'm healthy, there was no reason for me to feel that way, but it was almost like the enemy said, hey, uh, dude, let me just lay a little baggage on you, and I mean, it was so crippling to me, I, I didn't feel like I could function correctly, I just always, every day, listen, every day of my life, I live with this fear, can you imagine, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, and it became such a heavy weight in my life. And I can remember, you know, one day I'm just like, God, I'm so tired. I talked to my pastor. I probably drove him crazy. I just talked to my pastor again and again. I talked to my family, my loved ones, and I'm like, I'm just struggling. feel like I'm going to die. And, and they'd pray with me, do everything. That, but one day, I'll always remember this. It was like I was thinking about it, and it was like God said, Jeff, and it wasn't the audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but it was so quiet and so personal, it was louder than an audible voice to me. And God said, Jeff, you think you're going to die? Yeah, God. I, I, I can't tell you why, but I think I am. All right, Jeff, then here's the thing. What's the worst thing that can happen if you die? 
I guess I'll go immediately to heaven. And God's like, is that all that bad? I'm like, no, God. That'd be one. And I'm telling you, I don't mean it to sound simple. I'm not a guy that says I had a miracle every time I turned around. But this became a miracle in my life when I realized, Jeff, if you die, and obviously I didn't, if you die, then you immediately go to heaven. And I'm telling you, God changed and transformed my mind, and I've never had that struggle another day in my life. God, change my mind. God, I want to be changed in the attitude of my mind. Look at these two verses right up here, Ephesians 4, 22 and 23. These are great verses. You were taught, this is Paul again. You got to see this. Be sure you get it down. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, and we're not going to take time to talk about that, sort of that transformative work of grace, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made, look at this. In fact, say this highlighted phrase with me. Everybody, help me out. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Have you ever thought about that before? Get this. Did you know that your mind has an attitude? It does. Do you know that your brain actually has a mind of its own? Think about that one. I need to keep moving. Here's our second prayer. God, I need you to restore what was, what's been lost. God, I need you to, re to restore what's been lost. What is it that you have lost? Some of you need to hear this because some of you lost your youth. You never got a chance to really grow up the way kids ought to grow up. If it's your circumstance, it was in your environment, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, but you never got to be a kid because of the way you grew up. You lost your youth. Some of you lost your confidence Something's happened along the way, and, and, and you, just, you just feel like, you know what, I can never recover from that. I'll never get my confidence back. Some of you lost your innocence, and that brings baggage in a whole nother set of ways. Some of you have lost your joy, and you're like, God, I want my joy to be restored. Some of you have lost your faith. Some of you have lost your hope. How do you get it back again? Because you don't want to carry that baggage for the rest of your life. God, I need you to restore what was lost. This is such a great verse. This is out of the Psalms. Look at this, Psalm 71 and verse 20. Look at this verse. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter. I love this phrase. Look at it right here. You will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. I brought some good news with me today, and that is God is going to restore your loss. God is going to restore the things that you've been missing in your life, the things that you need in your life. God is going to restore it. And you're like, Jeff, I just don't believe that for me. That's, and that's going back. That's why you need to quit believing the lies and believe the truth of God, that God is going to restore the things that you've lost in your life. Can I just tell you, friends, God specializes in restoring lost things. Can I say it again? God specializes in restoring lost things. He does. If you don't believe me, just go. I'll give you one example. Read it this afternoon, Luke 15. A shepherd has all these sheep. He keeps 99, one runs off. He's got a lost sheep astray, and he goes after it, and he finds that lost sheep, and he brings it home with a celebratory attitude. A woman who has very limited resources loses a coin, and she turns her house upside down searching, as my mamaw would say, every nook and cranny until she found that coin, and when she did, she rejoiced. A father 
loses a son who says, I'm going to take my inheritance now. I'm not even going to wait till you pass away, old man. I'm taking it now. And the scripture says he went out and lived his life in riotous living. And every day the father, who in this case is a picture of God, would stand on the edge of the porch looking for the return of his prodigal son. And one day he looks up and his son is coming and his son is restored. And they celebrate. In each of these three stories, a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son, the common motif, the common theme of it all, when lost things are restored, a celebration ensures it is party time. God has brought restoration, and God's able to do that for you. Man, isn't it amazing when something that was lost is recovered? When Drew was nine, we have three kids, Brent, Drew, and Audrey. When Drew was nine, I'm like, he's nine years old. It's high time this boy goes on a missions trip for crying out loud, he's nine already. So he and I made a trip, baggage, luggage, waiting, the whole deal. But I wanted him to have that experience. We were loaded up pretty good because, you know, we were going to be hooking up with the team. And then at the end of the week, we were just going to pass out uh, gazillions of pieces of candy to the kids. And so I knew it'd be a great opportunity for him. That's why I wanted him to have that experience. So I can remember, and, and uh, Pastor Dan, I know that he's worked with a lot of missionaries, and whether this is accurate information or not, maybe it's bogus, but I had a missionary t- tell me when I was in my 20s, like, Jeff, when you travel to these other countries, and you, you know, you're going through like customs, for example, and you can't speak the language, you can't understand them, they can't understand you, then just, just nod and smile. Whatever they're saying, just nod and smile. So we had to go through customs. I mean, they ransacked. And, and they were talking to me, and, you know, and I didn't understand a lick of what they were saying. And they could have been saying, the guy could have been saying, hey, are you bringing, and, and this missionary said, just smile, just nod, all right, just be pleasant. He could have been saying, are you bringing drugs into our country? Are you bringing lots of drugs into our company, our country? All kinds of drugs. <laughs> and we made it through customs. And then we walked out, and some people were so, supposed to pick us up, but I walked out, and it was like a mass of people like I'd not seen in a long, long time. And I have this little trepidation in my heart. I'm like, we're never going to be found. We'll be at this airport for days. They can never find us. Now, I need to, before I tell you the rest of the story, I need you to go ahead and raise your hand if you're willing to cut me some slack and offer me some grace, especially your moms. So wave at me, especially moms, but everybody. Will you give me a little grace? Will you cut me some slack? So the thing that came to my mind, and I'm not saying it was smart, but this is the thing that came to my mind. It was like, okay, Jeff, you're going to have to get out, and you're just going to have to, if you just stand here, they're never going to be able to see you. If they stand where they're at, they're never going to be able to find you. We'll be here for days, and I didn't want that to happen. And so I just said, Drew, cut me some slack now. I'm going to stand this suitcase up, buddy, you stand on that, and dad's going to go walking through this crowd of people, and you just watch wherever dad goes, and you'll be able to see me, and I'll be able, all you moms have already turned against me, haven't you? And I'm like, and I'll be able to see you, and, and you know, it wasn't smart, but it worked, because after walking through, and I'd look back, and I'd see Drew, and I'd wave, and he'd be like, wave. Now, at one point, I've got to tell you, I, we did eventually connect with our ride, but I've got to tell you, at one point, I, I guess I became disoriented with where he was, and I looked back, and I didn't see him, and I almost went into panic. And then I'm like, oh, oh there he is. And, and uh, so when we went back, I'm like, you talk, I felt like a lost son had been restored. 
I went over to him, and I, he didn't know what I was thinking. He didn't know what had happened. I start hugging that boy like crazy, and I'm like, Drew, man, our ride is here, buddy. We got a ride. And I said, hey, by the way, when we get back home, let's not tell Mama about this, okay? <laughs> God loves restoring lost things. So when you pray and you ask God to restore lost things, what are you asking him to restore in your life? Maybe you're saying, God, I need you to restore my peace. I need you to restore my marriage. I need you to restore my finances. I need you to restore my emotions, my relationship with my child that's gone on the rails. I need you to restore my health. I love this verse. Look at this verse right here on the screen, and then we'll move on to the final prayer. I'll restore your health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. God specializes in restoring lost things. So why do we pray? If we want to travel light, God, I need you to renew my mind. God, I need you to restore lost things. Thirdly, finally, we'll be quick on this one. God, please help me to forgive. This, my friends, can be a weight, baggage, light, none other. Just how heavy and burdensome is bitterness and hostility and unforgiveness and a grudge. It's exceedingly heavy. I love to read. Some time ago, I was reading a book, and I just highlighted uh, a couple of paragraphs in this one book. I want you to listen to it carefully. Imagine being assigned to carry a rock the size of a bowling ball around with you all the time. It's heavy and inconvenient, but you can never put it down. This writer said it's called a grudge. And then he goes on to say, we have interesting language concerning grudges. We talk about them the way we talk about babies. You can hold a grudge, carry a grudge, or bear a grudge. You can even nurse a grudge. But when you nurse something, you feed it that which will keep it alive and make it grow. And here's the problem. Pretty soon it's full grown. You can't hold it. You can't carry it. You can't nurse it. You've got to let it go. Well, Jeff, you know, preach boy, that's easy for you to say. You've never experienced anything like that before in your life where you really needed to forgive. Oh, I could tell you some stories that make your head spin too. But I just can't do that. You know, they hurt me, and I'm, I just can't let them get by with that. I have to get revenge. I just have to. They lied about me. Can you, these lies they told about, I can't let that go. The rumors they spread about me. In fact, you know what they did? What they did, still to this day, I believe, caused me to lose my job, or I lost income, or they uh, owe me money, or, or they betrayed me, or they took advantage of me. And listen, listen, I just can't re, you know, find it in my heart to forgive them. And I know that the normal thing to do would be revenge. The normal thing is to get them back, to retaliate, to make them pay, to hit back. How many of you know that's the normal thing to do? Perhaps you've heard the story about the guy who's been by a dog He's in the doctor's office, and, and he starts writing on a piece of paper, and, and it's discovered that the dog had rabies, so this guy's writing away, and, and the doctor says, listen, man, you don't need to make a will. There's a cure for rabies. He said, doctor, I'm not writing out a will. I'm making a list of all the people I want to bite. <laughs> but you can't bite them. I know you want to, nor can I. Can I give you this in closing? You ready? The normal thing to do is to pay back, to get even. But you are not normal. You are a follower of Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world.
Let me say it this way. You are not expected, and you got to hear this. Some of you, it was worth you coming today just for this. Those of you that are watching online, it was worth you watching just for this. You may be expected to get back, to get even, to pay him back. But don't do as it's been expected of you. Don't treat people. See, people expect to be treated in the way that they have been treated. But listen, don't treat people the way that they have been treated. You, the way that they have treated, treated you, you have been called upon by God to treat people the way that your heavenly father has treated you. What do I want to do? Somebody treats me one way, what do I want to do? I want to treat them the same way in return. Wave at me to make me feel a little better preaching up here. It, that's what I want to do. But as a follower of Jesus, we're not to be normal. We don't treat them the way that they deserve to be treated. We're called on by higher authority to treat them the way that Jesus has treated us. One last verse, we're done. Read this one with me. Everybody, let's read this one. Get along with each other and forgive each other. Someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Is it normal to get them back? Yeah, but you're not normal. You're a chosen child of a most high God who has extended grace and mercy and forgiveness to you, and we live by higher authority. Would you stand with me, everybody, for a closing prayer? If you're here today, you're watching online, you're not in relationship with Jesus, I just want to ask you to come to Jesus just as you are, baggage and all, junk and all, stuff and all. Just come to Jesus just as you are. You don't have to get your act cleaned up first. You don't have to say, well, once I'm this or that, then, hey, then I'll get right. No, you come to Jesus just as as you are, baggage and all. And then you ask him to forgive you and he'll say, you know what? I'll do that because I've already paid the price for you on the cross. Invite him to come into your life. Invite him to give you purpose and meaning in your life. Invite him to help you. And you know, he stands ready to help you because he loves you. So if you're here today or you're watching online, you're not in a relationship with Jesus, there's no better time. I was doing my devotions this week, Acts 26, and Paul is giving his defense before Agrippa. Agrippa's like, hey, Paul, do you think you're going to convince me to become a Christian? He said, Paul, I love Paul's response. He said, I not only want to convince you, but everybody who is listening to me today to become a follower of Jesus because Paul knew how good it was to follow Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can do that right here. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Would you just pray it? Just say, dear Jesus, I bring to you my baggage. I bring to you my luggage, my problems, my pain. I bring it to you. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I want to take all the baggage in my life, and I want to cast it on you. I want to give my worries, my cares, my concerns over to you. Come into my life, forgive me, give me a brand new start, a do-over, a mulligan, and with your help, I'll live the Christian life. I need it, I want it. And then those of you that you're already Christians, just let's, let's start praying that prayer. Just, God, renew our mind. We don't want to believe the lies of the evil one. We want to be renewed in our minds with your truth. And God, we want lost things to be restored. We need that. We want that kind of celebration in our life. And God, please help us to forgive, not to have ideas of revenge and retaliation. Let that quickly pass through our mind and help us to treat people, not the way that they've treated us, but the way that you have treated us treated us and help us to forgive and we know it's not easy but we've been forgiven of so much God here's what we want to do 
beginning today, we want to lay down all this heavy baggage in our life, and we want to travel light for the rest of our days. And if you believe that and you agree to that, let's put our hands together and give Jesus some praise. Can we do it? Hey, we've got one more great song. Hang in here with us. Let's worship God. If you're new, stop by the hospitality suite. Let's worship, and then they'll dismiss us. Let's raise it together. You are worthy of it all. That's it. Say, you are worthy of it all. For from you are all. And to you are all things. Yes, you deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Yes, Lord, we